Are you struggling to be fearless with your epilepsy suck? Well, you're in luck because we're in the middle of reading the places that scare you. This is a guide to fearlessness in difficult times written by Pema Chedron, who also wrote When Things Fall Apart. It was a beautiful book, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to tune in, listen, and relax, and absorb this information. Take time to think about how you can turn your epilepsy hell into epilepsy well. This is Alma Wayne Myers, and I thank you for tuning in. Here we go with Chapter 3. Chapter 3, The Facts of Life. A fresh attitude starts to happen when we look to see that yesterday was yesterday, and now it is gone. Today is today, and now is new. It's like that. Every hour, every minute is changing. If we stop observing change, then we stop seeing everything as new. Zigar Control Rinpoche. The Buddha taught that there are three principal characteristics of human existence. Impermanence, egolessness, and suffering or dissatisfaction. According to the Buddha, the lives of all beings are marked by these three qualities. Recognizing these qualities to be real and true in our own experiences helps us to relax with things as they are. When I first heard this teaching, it seemed academic and remote. But when I was encouraged to pay attention, to be curious about what was happening with my body and my mind, something shifted. I could observe from my own experience that nothing is static. My moods are continuously shifting like the weather. and I am definitely not in control of what thoughts or emotions are going to arise nor can I halt their flow. Stillness is following, followed by movement. Movement flows back into stillness. Even the most persistent physical pain, when I pay attention to it, changes like the tides. I feel gratitude to the Buddha for pointing out that what we struggle against all our lives can be acknowledged as ordinary experiences. Life does continually go up and down. People and situations are unpredictable and so is everything else. Everybody knows the pain of getting what we don't want. Saints, sinners, winners, losers. I feel gratitude that someone saw the truth and pointed out that we don't suffer this kind of pain because of our personal inability to get things right. That's not, that nothing is static or fixed, that all is fleeting and impermanent, is the first mark of existence. It is the ordinary state of affairs. Everything is in process. Everything, every tree, every blade of grass, all the animals, insects, human beings, 
buildings, the animate and the inanimate is always changing. Movement, moment to moment. We don't have to be mystics or physicists to know this. Yet at the level of personal experience, we resist this basic fact. It means that life isn't always going to go our way. It means there's loss as well as gain, and we don't like that. Once I was changing jobs and houses at the same time, I felt insecure, uncertain, and groundless, hoping that he would say something that would help me work with these changes, I complained to Trungpa Rinpoche about having trouble with transitions. He looked at me sort of blankly and said, we are always in transition. Then he said, if you can just relax with that, you'll have no problem. We know that all is impermanent. We know that everything wears out. Although we can buy this truth intellectually, emotionally we have a deep-rooted aversion to it. We want permanence. We expect permanence. Our natural tendency is to seek security. We believe we can find it. We experience impermanence at the everyday level of frustration. We use our daily activity as a shield against the fundamental ambiguity of our situation. Expanding tremendous energy, trying to ward off impermanence and death. We don't like it that our bodies change shape. We don't like it that we age. We are afraid of wrinkles and saggy skin. We use health products as if we actually believe our skin, our hair, our eyes, and teeth might somehow miraculously escape the truth of impermanence. The Buddhist teachings aspire to set us free from this limited way of relating. They encourage us to relax gradually and wholeheartedly in the ordinary and obvious truth of change. Acknowledging this truth doesn't mean that we're looking on the dark side. What it means is that we begin to understand that we're not the only one who can't keep it all together. We no longer believe that there are people who have managed to avoid uncertainty. The second mark of existence is egolessness. A human, as human beings, we are impermanent as everything else is. Every cell in the body is continuously changing. Thoughts and emotions rise and fall away unceasingly. When there's thinking that we're competent or that we're hopeless, what are we basing it on? On this fleeting moment? On yesterday's success or failure? We cling to a fixed idea of who we are and it cripples us. Nothing and no one is fixed. Whether the reality of change is a source of freedom for us or a source of horrific anxiety makes a significant difference. Do the days of our lives add up to further suffering or to increase capacity for joy? 
That's an important question. Sometimes egolessness is called no self. These words can be misleading. The Buddha was not implying that we disappear or that we should erase our personality. As a student once asked, doesn't experiencing egolessness make life kind of beige? It's not like that. Buddha was pointing out that the fixed idea that we have about ourselves as solid and separate from each other is painfully limiting. It is possible to move through the drama of our lives without believing so earnestly in the character that we play, that we take ourselves so seriously, that we are so absurdly important in our own minds is a problem for us. We feel justified in being annoyed with everything. We feel justified in denigrating ourselves or in feeling that we are more clever than other people. Self-importance hurts us, limiting us in the narrow world of our likes and dislikes. We end up bored to death with ourselves and our world. We end up never satisfied. We have two alternatives. Either we question our beliefs or we don't. Either we accept our fixed versions of reality or we begin to challenge them. In Buddha's opinion, to train in studying, to train in staying open and curious, to train in dissolving our assumptions and beliefs is the best use of our human lives. When we train in awakening bodhicitta, we are nurturing the flexibility of our minds. In the most ordinary terms, egolessness is a flexible identity. It manifests as inquisitiveness, as adaptability, as humor, as playfulness. It is our capacity to relax with not knowing, not figuring everything out, with not being at all sure about who we are or who anyone else is either. A man's only son was reportedly dead in battle. Unconsolable, the father locked himself in his house for three weeks, refusing all support and kindness. In the fourth week, the son returned home, seeing that he was not dead. The people of the village were moved to tears. Overjoyed, they accompanied the young man to his father's house and knocked on the door. Father, called the son, I have returned. But the old man refused to answer. Your son is here. He was not killed, called the people. But the old man would not come to the door. Go away and let me grieve, he screamed. I know my son is gone forever. You cannot deceive me with your lies. So it is with all of us. We are certain about who we are and who others are, and it blinds us. If another version of reality comes knocking on our door, our fixed ideas keep us from accepting it. How are we going to spend this brief lifetime? Are we going to strengthen our well-perfected ability to struggle against uncertainty? Or... Are we going to train in letting go? 
are we going to hold on stubbornly to I'm like this and you're like that? Or are we going to move beyond the narrow mindset? Could we start to train as a warrior, aspiring to reconnect with the natural flexibility of our being and to help others do the same? If we start to move in this direction, limitless possibilities will begin to open up. The teaching on egolessness points to our dynamic, changing nature. This body has never felt exactly the way it's feeling now. This mind is thinking a thought that, repetitious as it may seem, will never be thought again. I may say, isn't that wonderful? But we don't usually experience it as wonderful. We experience it as unnerving and we scramble for ground. The Buddha was generous enough to show us an alternative. We are not trapped in the identity of success or failure, or in any identity at all, neither in terms of how others see us, nor in how we see ourselves. Every moment is unique, unknown, completely fresh. For a warrior in training, egolessness is a cause of joy rather than a cause of fear. The third mark of existence is suffering, dissatisfaction. As Suzuki Roshi put it, it is only by practicing through a continual succession of agreeable and disagreeable situations that we acquire, acquire true strength. To accept that pain is inherent, and to live our lives from this understanding is to create the causes and conditions for happiness. To put it concisely, we suffer when we resist the noble and irrefutable truth of impermanence and death. We suffer not because we are basically bad or deserve to be punished, but because of three tragic misunderstandings. First, we expect that what is always changing should be graspable, graspable and predictable. We are born with a craving for resolution and security that governs our thoughts, words, and actions. We are like people in a boat that is falling apart trying to hold on to the water. The dynamic, energetic, and natural flow of the universe is not acceptable to conventional mind. Our prejudices and addictions are patterns that arise from the fear of a fluid world because we mistakenly take what is always changing to be permanent. We suffer. Second, we proceed as if we were separate from everything else, as if we were a fixed identity, when our true situation is egoless. We insist on being someone with a capital S. We get security from defining ourselves as worthless or worthy, superior or inferior. We waste precious time exaggerating or romanticizing or belittling ourselves with 
a complacent surety that yes, that's who we are. We mistake the openness of our being, the inherent wonder and surprise of each moment for a solid irrefutable self because of this must understanding we suffer. Third, we look for happiness in all the wrong places. Like Buddha called this habit, mistaking suffering for happiness. Like a moth flying into the flame, as we know moths are not the only ones who will destroy themselves in order to find temporary relief. In terms of how we seek happiness, we are all like the alcoholic who drinks to stop the depression that escalates with every drink, or the junkie who shoots up in order to get relief from the suffering that increases with every fix. A friend who is always on a diet pointed out this teaching would be easier to follow if our addictions didn't offer temporary relief. Because we experience short-lived satisfaction from them, we keep getting hooked. In repeating our quest for instant gratification, pursuing addictions of all kinds, some seemingly benign, some obviously lethal, we continue to reinforce old patterns of suffering. We strengthen dysfunctional patterns. Thus, we become less and less able to reside with even the most fleeting uneasiness or discomfort. We become habituated to reaching for something to ease the edginess of the moment. What begins as a slight shift of energy or minor tightening of our stomach, a vague, undefinable feeling that something bad is about to happen, escalates into addiction. This is our way of trying to make life predictable because we mistake what always results in suffering for what will bring us happiness. We remain stuck in the repetitious habit of escalating our dissatisfaction. In Buddhist terminology, this vicious cycle is called samsara. When I begin to doubt that I have what it takes to stay present with impermanence, egolessness, and suffering, it uplifts me to remember Trungpa Rinpoche's cheerful reminder that there is no cure for hot and cold. There is no cure for the facts of life. This teaching on the three marks of existence can motivate us to stop struggling against the nature of reality we can stop harming others and ourselves in our efforts to escape the alteration of pleasure and pain. We can relax, we, we can relax and be fully present for our lives. So in conclusion of this chapter, uh, we talked about impermanence, egolessness, and dissatisfaction. So challenge you to contemplate these things about how important it is to dominate who you are to declare that something is so important that you have to be this way in order to exist because honestly you know a lot of the problems that we have we create in our own head in our own hearts in our own lives through the process of not understanding 
that yes we are important and we are a unique individual but as a community that is truly where we thrive as a whole when we are able to be a part of something greater than ourselves when you're able to be a part of a family when you're able to be a part of a friendship a partnership when you're able to be part of a group when you can feel like there is more to life than just yourself and that you matter because of this 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 is a safe place for your heart this is somewhere that you should strive to be shouldn't be finding comfort in the addictions and the routines and the habits that just keep us stuck and locked in place so truly 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 challenge yourself challenge yourself to find out what it is that you could let go of you're holding on to these stories that you're telling yourself that don't really matter it's the past that you need to let go of but you can say hey look i can have a better future i can build a better future i can make a better future and then go do it you have to visualize it in order to make it real and this is part of the process of going from any situation of bad to good because it's going to go back from good to bad at some point. It's just the cycle of life. Epilepsy is like riding a roller coaster. You've got ups and downs and you're being thrown around. Sometimes you're upside down. Sometimes you're sideways. Sometimes you're going backwards. I mean, it depends on what kind of roller coaster you're on. And sometimes it's one you volunteered for. And other times it's a surprise second loop. Hey, we're going to give you a free ride around the second time. Woo! How wonderful is that? It's not always the ride you think you're going to get. So take care of yourself. Be the one to understand what is going on with you. Be the one to be responsible, to be the warrior, to challenge yourself, to fight yourself, to be the best version of yourself. Bring the best version of yourself to the dinner table. You know, honestly, it's not everybody's responsibility to take care of us. And although... We would all love to have more help than we get. We have to love the help that we get and then love the fact that we're capable of doing more than we thought. So make sure that you are setting out plans, setting out strategies, scheduling the things that you need to get done, setting reminders for your medications, for your meals, for preparing for bed, whatever it is that you need to do in your day, making time for your boyfriend or girlfriend, schedule date night, schedule work time, schedule play time. Because honestly, you got to make sure that life is balanced and you're not just running yourself ragged. And you got to understand when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. That's all there is to life is take care of yourself, work, rest, do whatever your work is. I mean, work is like activity. Work can be fun. I mean, if you're working all day, just trying to work on your health, that should be fun. You should be working on yoga or Tai Chi and eating better and trying to find out what the best version of yourself can be way more fun discovering who you are. And again, if you're not sure, if you're not sure what's fun, I highly recommend picking up a coloring book, picking up an activity book, go try something different you know that's how you discover what you like is you do things you didn't do before you break 
the pattern because we crave these things. So real quick, I'm going to give you some notes that I took down from Tony Robbins. Uh, Russell Brunson did an interview with him for the uh, On Your Future Challenge that we just finished up. It was really good. I was trying to talk to you guys about it, but I didn't uh, I didn't get the podcast posted. I tried. I had like two posted that I didn't finish because I was struggling and whatever. But So the thing is, we have the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. So an achievement is like, you know, you do something, you accomplish a goal, but fulfillment is like, when you know you get something from what you've done like you actually feel a sense of accomplishment you feel grateful for it you feel joy in the state of the act it's like i don't know like i know when i graduated high school i was like cool i graduated high school but i didn't feel fulfilled i didn't feel like i had skills that were like oh this is so amazing i was just like all right i achieved getting my uh High school diploma instead of being a high school dropout because I dropped out of school in 10th grade. Um, I went back because of you know all the problems I was having at school and home and whatever. I guess it was 11th grade. Dropped out in 11th grade. I didn't go like the first six months. Um, towards the end of the year, I finally um, went back. And I did basically two years worth of schoolwork in one year. So that gave me a sense of fulfillment because I was able to accomplish two years worth of work in one year when I was able to do self-studies. So when I was given a situation, uh, I decided I wanted to achieve, you know, getting my license or getting my uh, diploma, you know, that fulfillment was getting it done at a much faster rate, being able to jump into life. I mean, I ended up working, uh, I had a full-time job being a plumber by I was 17 got moved to Florida I was doing plumbing in Florida for six months with my you know 15 year old girlfriend and you know we got married six months later on our way back I was still 17 so I mean these are accomplishments that I don't know I was hoping they would give me fulfillment but they really didn't they taught me some skills but taught me the right and wrong way to do stuff but I tried not holding on to the impermanence of these things but man, I'm telling you that really messed me up when I was younger it really 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 messed me up trying to do all this not having the support I needed and then finding out that my wife was embarrassed to be married to me because uh, she was so young and she was cheating on me after four months of us being married so I mean that I you know, had an achievement. And again, I was not fulfilled by the experiences because I didn't get what I wanted. It wasn't what I had thought. These people, it wasn't who I thought I was. She wasn't who I thought she was. She wasn't who she thought she was. You know, I mean, and I wasn't who she thought she was. So there's always this whole trying to understand who people really are without projecting your own who you want them to be to you because I mean, there's lots of people I would love to be friends with and I have probably offended them when I went crazy after my stroke um, and who knows maybe not you know, we'll see life is impermanent 
we can't put labels on people. Maybe at some point, maybe that's the story I tell myself, and I have to stop labeling myself too. So as you can see, we're we're all working in this. We're working on this together, hopefully. So and if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to, to hit me up. You can email me. Um, if you're hitting me up here on the podcast, you can do podcast at myersgood.com, and you know, you'll get me here. Feel free, give me a comment, shoot me a comment. I'll be more than happy to get back to you about it while I can. Uh, so we're trying to work this in. Working on uh, the value ladder of what we're trying to provide. So just real quick, just tossing this idea around right now. It's working on doing a seven-day challenge, kind of a summit style for a few of the days to get some other people on board and share just what's possible and some know tools to success with some possibility on some coaching so that could lead to i'm thinking of doing a once a month inner circle where um we can cover important topics that uh aren't necessarily brought up anywhere else and also doing a six week program to kind of get people on track so that you know if you need more time you know, more than just a month of saying, hey, look, this is what you guys should focus on. This is what we can do. I know. I hate to see you guys in the community because you know, obviously we're going to have a community working on whatever everybody's questions are. And then after that, I plan on uh, the six-week program. I want to offer the three- to six-month program for those people that need the extra time, the extra care, the extra attention. I mean, this sounds like a value ladder, right? adding more value and we're going to work more things in so i mean along the way it just starts off taking control of your life you know as you know tony robbins and dean graziosi just did own your future challenge you know my challenge is take back your control that's what this is all about stop letting other people dictate your behavior stop letting your epilepsy run your life and learn how to be the one that is in control so that you can stop just achieving stuff and you can start finding fulfillment because that's so important to be fulfilled. So last thing from Tony Robbins, I always love this statement. You know, he's talking about good judgment. You know, it's like people that make good decisions, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. I mean, for the most part, like we make bad choices and we learn from it. This is how we gain experiences. So the process along the way is trying to find shortcuts so you don't have to fall down as hard. You can get up faster. You can find the direction where you're supposed to be going because, man, it sucks when you got nobody around telling you what it is you can do, what it is you should be doing, or to just reorient you on the map of where you're at because, epilepsy sucks we can all agree with that losing your mind sucks the memory problems uh seriously the pain problems I mean, some of you uh, have movement issues it just depends on what part of the brain is going on got issues with sounds and lights and all kinds of stuff is possible with epilepsy health so that's why we are working on epilepsy hell to epilepsy well so you can st- Stop being dissatisfied with your life. So 
I'd like to thank you again for tuning in. And as always, please, please, please take care of yourself like you matter because no one else is going to. And only you know you. So take care of yourself like you matter because you do.